If you're after growth, the timing is essential. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. So Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates. So as some of you would know, Stephen and I are doing a little Tesla try before we buy road trip and we're currently in Melbourne and a makeshift setup. So if the recording goes a bit pear-shaped, my apologies in advance. So today I have a special guest in John Linderman. So John is widely respected as one of Australia's leading property market analysts and renowned as the property market researcher that experts go to for all their Australian housing market insights. John is a popular contributor to property-related media such as Your Investment Property magazine, Michael Yardney's Property Update, Kevin Turner's Real Estate Talk and Alan Kohler's Eureka Report. John has also authorized, authored the landmark best-selling books for property investors, Mastering the Australian Housing Market and Unlocking the Property Market. Welcome, John. Thanks very much for the introduction, Bernadette. Yeah. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, we're in the presence of someone who's been in the business for a very long time and obviously has a wealth of knowledge. And so that's what we'd like to tap into today. Before we start, I'd really love to know a little bit about your background. What got you started on this path? Is it something you've done all your life or, yeah, so... Yeah, it, that's a very good question. Going back a long time to, I think, back to my very first property I bought. It was a house in Hawthorne in Melbourne and we were only very young, but we thought we'd renovate this property. And then after four years, we sold it and it had doubled in value. And I thought, wow, this is great property investing. That's the way to go. We'll do it again. So we bought another house, this time in Mentone. Did the same thing and then after four years it was time to move back to Sydney, which is where I come from. We sold that house and it hadn't gone up in value at all. In fact, we'd lost money. And so I thought, well, I really don't understand the property market at all and I was just lucky that the first one I bought was the one that went up in value so I knew it could happen. So I just started reading all the books I could find out about property investing. I went to boot camps, workshops, whatever I could, free events. But no one could actually tell me how the housing market worked and how investors could be sure to get the best benefit, the best results from property investing. So it sort of became a quest, which I've been doing for the last 20 years, working with various, like the government. I worked at the Australian Bureau of Statistics for five years, I was then head of research at Residex for another five years before setting up my own company. And the aim is really to explain how the market works and how to get the best results from property investing. Beautiful. So when someone is working, let's say a property investor wants to educate themselves on the best properties to buy and so on, how to build wealth through property, how do they actually work with you? Is it through your reports? Is that what informs them or just really curious to know what your model is? Yeah, well, there's lots of different ways. I mean, we've got a website called Lindemann Reports, which has got lots of information that's it's freely available. People can go to a library and borrow my book. They don't even have to buy it. So one of my books, they're both usually available in libraries, give you a good background into how the market works. But if you really want to get 
involved in investing personally than we do provide reports, predictive reports. When I sort of worked out exactly how to reasonably reliably predict what was likely to happen, I was awarded a patent for that. So it's the only predictive housing market predictive patent in Australia. And we've been doing sort of predictive reports for over 10 years. So with 90% accuracy in terms of the direction and degree of change that's likely to occur. So people can use our reports, but there's a lot of information just on the website. And as I said, if you read my books, you'll find there's a lot of good information there as well. Yeah, it always amazes me how willing people are to go and spend like anything up to a million dollars on a property, (laughs) but not spend the few dollars it takes to really research and make sure that property is going to deliver what they need. So I think buying a book is a bare minimum. I always think the books are the like the cheapest means of educating yourself. If you can't do a course, that's something that's always available because authors do, like you do, tend to put their best into that product. I was just going to say the, yeah, the first book I wrote when Wiley's approached me and said, could you write a book about the property market and I was on holidays in Europe and the deadline was rapidly approaching so I spent two months of my holidays in Europe writing the first book Mastering Australian Housing Market so it yeah nearly cost me my relationship but oh my gosh <laughs> it's worth it in the end I guess that's no good and so I know that we've given you a list of questions but a few things come up as we go along and something I wanted to ask you is I'm guessing that you've followed your own philosophies. How has that held you in good stead? Um, Very, yeah, very very good, Bernadette, because one of the the philosophies I have about property investing is that it's a journey. You start off with your first properties. You've got to get as much growth as you possibly can, borrow as much as you can safely, and then rely on the growth in the market to deliver that growth on the money that you've borrowed. So you might borrow it at 3 or 4%, but the market's growing at 10 or 12%, so you're making money on the borrowed money, and that's what the experts call leveraging. But it's how you start, and it gives you that foothold in the market and the ability to grow and buy more properties over time. I'm now at the stage of my life, as you can probably guess, that I'm not interested in capital growth anymore, but what I am interested in is good cash flow. So what, what you do in that journey is you start off with good growth potential, and then you move over time to buy in properties in areas that have got really good cash flow. So that's sort of where we are now. We've got quite a portfolio of properties that are delivering good cash flow, which supports us as well as, and it means that I can continue doing what I love, which is writing about the market and doing blogs, podcasts like this, because it's what I love doing. Excellent. So the term hotspot is like really a bit contentious. Is that something like chasing hotspots? Is that something, or chasing is probably a poor word, but look, seeking out hotspots, is that something that you would recommend? Well, I think there are two big differing views on the property market. One view is that it's all about time in the market. In other words, you buy a property, you hang on to it for 10 years and it should double in value or else being equal. The other school says, no, it's all about timing and it's much more important and you can do far better by buying in an area where the growth is about to occur and then selling when that growth is pretty much ended. So I'm, I sort of follow both schools. I think, yes, you can, if you're after growth, then it's very important. Timing is essential. 
But if you're after cash flow, there are areas in Australia that will always deliver good cash flow. So there's no need to shop around, chase hotspots or whatever, because those areas will deliver constant high yields and good cash flow. Absolutely. Yes. And so there's just a couple of things I wanted to get your opinion on. I think I know the answer to this, but where do you stand on negative gearing? Well, it's a tax measure that helps you save tax. But there's two problems with negative gearing. The first one is that, of course, you're losing money while you're holding a property. And so you're going backwards, even though the property might be increasing in value, it's costing you money to hold. And the second thing is that, as I mentioned, getting more and more properties when you're at the start of your journey is essential. And if you buy properties that are negatively geared, let's say you might buy one and you go and buy another one, and you go back to the bank for the third property and the bank says, no, we won't lend you any more money because you've exhausted your borrowing capacity. And that means you're at the end of your journey and you haven't really got halfway there yet. So I always say you can, positive gearing is still gearing. It just means you're making more than what it costs you to hold a property. You're still claiming all of the costs of holding a property against the rent and your other income. That's fine but it's actually making you money. So I say, yes, it's essential that when you invest in property that as a minimum, the property should be neutrally geared and it's better if they are actually positively geared. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on there. So we often, because we often talk with women in particular who have realised that they have a problem in terms financially and need to start doing something, and often end up going to an event and ending up buying a property which is not labelled negatively geared but is and then set themselves up for like years of pain. And I think the problem is that a lot don't know that they're getting into a negatively geared property. They're given this story about how this is going to get them to their the result they're after and I think it's really criminal. So we'd love to see an end to that. And, of course, driven by house and land packages and so on. What about rent vesting? So we, particularly among the younger demographic, this seems to be quite a popular strategy. What's your feeling on that? Well, I think it's a great way for people to start. And we run a mentoring program. We've got a lot of younger people in there who, by using rent vesting, what they can do is they can live in the area where they like to live, it's close to friends and family and so on, and they rent, uh, but they're buying a property in an area that's got that massive growth potential and positive cash flow because you simply can't buy a property in Sydney or Melbourne or even Brisbane that's positively delivering positive cash flow. It's just not possible. The yields are much too low. And so if you buy a property in a regional market, for example, that's got a lot of growth potential, it's much more affordable. I mean, you can buy properties in some of the regional markets for two, three $300,000. That could double in price over the next few years. So suddenly you've got this toehold in the market that will enable you in a few years to then go and buy the property that you really want to live in as, as well in future. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. So in terms of what's your opinion on the state of the market at the moment? Like I know nobody really knows, but given that you have such a good record on predicting the market, what would you think is likely to happen in the next 12 months? 
Very, that's a very good question as well. It's yeah, we'd all like to know that. And I think one of the problems is that we've gone through pretty much unprecedented times, and that word has been overused, but it really is true. We've had two years of pandemic, and we've had border closures, both international and state border closures. We've had lockdowns, all sorts of issues that we've never had to contend with, and they're going to leave a legacy quite for some time to come. So what's happened is, well, the first thing is that the government lent itself over a trillion dollars in money during the pandemic to keep the economy going, and that's created a bit of a housing market boom. Prices have gone up 20 30%, but it's pretty much at an end now. So that's one of the things that happened. But what's going to happen next, of course, is that borders will open again, international borders will reopen, and there's a flood of people wanting to come to Australia, which is quite normal when there's wars or troubles in in other countries people want to come to australia so hundreds of thousands of people have been lining up applying for visas and they're all going to flood into our capital cities in the next few years so i can see a massive uh, shortage of especially rental accommodation in the big cities in the inner urban areas and at the same time what the pandemic has done because the borders were shut we haven't had people coming in who are sort of willing to do that sort of work in construction that uh, other people don't want to do. So we've got less labourers, fewer carpenters, people generally in the building trades and construction trade industry, huge shortage. And we've had an increase in building costs as well. And that's also because of the bushfires we had that wiped out about 90% of our softwood. So there's a huge shortage of building materials. You add all that up and you say, well, hang on, what we're heading for is housing development, the rate of housing development dropped by 20% in the last year, but the actual demand for housing is going to be going up by 20 30% over the next year and maybe even more. So I'm predicting that there'll be another property market boom. It'll probably start next year and it'll be more in terms of rent rising and more investors coming into the market as a result. But those people who think that the property market is headed for a a crash is just, it's not going to happen. All the numbers are pointing the other way. That's good to know. So the building, the cost of building materials and the shortage of trades is something that has impacted renovators. And in our community, what we're seeing is that there are good buys in terms of the types of properties. I was talking to our Melbourne group this week and they were saying they're seeing amazing houses going at really good prices because they're unrenovated and they need renovating. And so uh, there is definitely an advantage with renovators being able to manage that risk. So I guess my view is that if you're able to produce a quality renovation and contain the costs, obviously our budgets have had to go up from pre-pandemic. But if you're able to do that, then you're getting a very saleable price. And I'm seeing that our renovated properties, even though there's been a sort of a settling of prices, the renovated properties seem to be getting a good price maintaining their pricing. Are you seeing anything in that area or? Well, what I'm seeing, Bernadette, is there's a number of things. I think Despite the Reserve Bank assurances made last year that they weren't going to put up interest rates until the first they said 2024, then 2023, early this year we've had four rate rises in as many months and 
that has really knocked the stuffing out of a, a lot of investors' confidence because we're not used to that happening. The last time we had four rate rises in a row was back in 2010-11. So it's really sort of scared people. And I think that means that buyers generally are sort of holding back a bit, but confidence will return. I mean, there's going to be an end to the number of rises they might even sort of come back a bit and they're still going to be lower than what they were after the last lot of rate rises. So it's still not really a bad place to be. And people are very resilient. They get used to the idea, all right, rates are a bit higher. We can live with that. And so I think that the demand will return to the market fairly soon. But that means, of course, that prices will go up. So now is a really good time where you can see that the number of buyers has sort of dropped off a little bit and there have been price falls occurring in some areas now is actually a really good time to go in and look for property. Yeah, absolutely. So are there particular areas that you think are better for cash flow and we all know, well, we probably don't know, that usually the capital cities are the growth centres, but are there areas that you, someone starting out, if they wanted to, they're later in life and wanted to find an area for cash flow, what sort of direction would you be heading them to? Well, I think right now the pandemic, although it's wrecked a lot of havoc in people's lives, it has done a couple of things that have really favoured investors right now. One of those is that when you look at, say, the Melbourne CBD unit market, for example, during the pandemic, the place was abandoned. There were 90% of the units were empty. Those that did have sort of bought them before the pandemic, hoping to turn them into Airbnb sort of cash cows, that didn't work. So a lot of people have been hurt, but now there's an opportunity to go in and actually buy units in these sorts of markets of under $400,000, which is quite amazing. And you think, well, you can get positive cash flow from day one. People are pouring back into Melbourne and those, not only will the cash flow increase, but the prices will as well. So to give an example, like before the pandemic, the median price of a two-bedroom unit in the CBD in Melbourne was about 90% that of Sydney. Now it's 50%. So there's a lot of growth potential there. And the same thing applies in other areas. When you're looking at, say, areas where tourists go and holidaymakers, those areas are going to boom now that we're able to move around again. So if you're looking for cash flow, these are the sort of the holiday coastal markets have got a lot of growth potential and also high cash flow potential as well. So if you don't want to buy a unit in the middle of Melbourne in a high-rise complex, you can look at areas along the coast that have got good cash flow and growth potential as well. I must admit, being in Melbourne at the moment, I've been looking at units in the CBD, in South Melbourne, Docklands, East Melbourne. I've seen two bedders without parking for under 400000 It's just unbelievable. But, yeah. It is an excellent opportunity and the people that are selling those probably paid a lot more for them when they bought them. So there are winners and losers in, in everything. But people ask me, well, what should I do? And I say, whatever you do, don't sell now. If you can hang on to it, it'll come back to where it was and even better than that because markets do recover and this is one market you can tell as people start coming in from overseas, that's where they rent. So the rent demand is going to really push that market up again. Yeah. And of course, unlike Sydney, in Melbourne, you can Airbnb your unit long term. So in Sydney, we have a now have a law that caps your short term rental days to 180. 
unless, of course, it's part of your own home. But whereas at this stage, Melbourne doesn't have that limitation, um, I expect at some point in time it will come in. But for now, it's that's the open slather as far as investors are concerned. No, I just said it is. It's a great opportunity, yeah. Yeah. And so now, so what would be, for someone that hasn't really done a lot of investing before, let's say, so our typical market is someone over 40 who makes a decision like they've still got quite a few years before they're at the retirement age. What would be your top tips to them for getting started with a portfolio? I think the the first thing I would advise strongly is what not to do, and that is to go along to free events where the aim is to sell property. It's an unregulated market and there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out there. And as you mentioned, where they'll promise you thing like positive cash flow, what they're really giving you is, say, a rental guarantee maybe for a year or two years, so you think everything's fine. And that guarantees your rent at, say, 6%. But then, of course, when the guarantee stops, suddenly you find that there's virtually no rent demand at all. So avoid house and land packages and off-the-plan units, especially in the current market. Go for established properties and look in those areas that have got something special to offer. And, And by that I mean one of the big drivers of property markets, especially in regional areas, is when transport connections are improved. So we saw that with the Pacific Highway that was duplicated all the way up to the Brisbane border from Newcastle, and that caused massive increase in housing demand all along the way. Now, at the moment, we are having the Princess Highway duplicated south from Narrow down to Sussex Inlet, and you can see there that's going to have a huge impact on prices. The Great Western Highway is about to be duplicated from Katoomba out to Lithgow, So you can still buy properties quite affordably in Lithgow and they've got potential of going up massively when that the highways is finally duplicated. So there are opportunities and these in other states, the Bruce Highway uh, duplication, that's going from the Sunshine Coast all the way up to Cairns, 2,000 kilometres. And you can see that as that's moving north, it's having that impact on increasing buyer demand rapidly. So look for those areas where something special is happening. And even if it's just a small project, it might be, say, some renewable energy scheme like in Port Augusta where they're building a huge renewable energy plant. It's actually a hybrid wind and solar. They've done stage one. They're doing stage two. You can buy a house for under $200,000 in Port Augusta, and that's in South Australia, but the rent yield is about 9%. So it's positive cash flow, make money from day one, and prices there could double in the next few years. So look for something like that where there's something that's going to create the demand for housing in future. Beautiful. That's fantastic. So if someone was wanting to, I noticed that you have a free consultation on your website. What would be the type of investor that would book one of those calls? Probably people who are listening to this and watching this podcast because I get questions from all sorts of people, people starting out, first-time investors, what about reinvesting, how does that work, or they might be in their 50s and they haven't yet bought an investment property, or some of them might have investment properties and just say, well, what should we do at the point where we need to sell these or not? So it's a half-hour free telephone consultation. I'm not out there to sell anything. We do offer our services if people want them, but that's not what it's about. And I started this during the pandemic because we used to run free live events and we found we couldn't do that anymore and maintain 
contact with people. So we started the free consultations, very popular, and you get to learn a lot. But one of the reasons I do it is because I learn a lot by listening to people as well as talking to them. So we all benefit. And if you would like to book a free consult, you can do that on my website, lindemanreports.com.au, and you'll see there there's a little menu, free consult, and it just you can book there. Thank you. That is an incredible opportunity because clearly that you have massive experience in the area and it's very well-grounded advice. Most people that are giving advice have an agenda and so that's a unique opportunity that I suggest that if you're wanting some information about your investing journey, that's something that you should seriously consider. Now, Just before we go, what about your other products like your reports and so on? Is there anything in particular that we should pick out for our community? Well, I think in terms of renovating, our reports generally what they do is they will show you where the areas with the best growth potential are located. So there'll be suburbs in in each capital city or each state if we can't find any in the capital cities. So they'll help you identify suburbs. But If you really want to go more into where should I renovate, what should I renovate, and I don't know if we've got time to talk about this, but there's a lot of (laughs) great, there's a lot of free information available on the web. It's just so amazing now what is available. And you can find this out yourself quite easily. What you do is you go to, say, realestate.com.au, and let's say I've identified Katoomba. You bought a report from me and you think, great, we're going to buy in Katoomba. What do we buy? You want to renovate. Well, what are we going to renovate to? So when you go to realestate.com.au, and I'll suggest you try this later, and look up Katoomba, so houses for sale in Katoomba, what you'll see over on the right-hand side is how much does it cost to buy a property in Katoomba? And this is a new service they've just put in. It's run by PropTrack, which is one of the major data providers like CoreLogic. This is free. You just click on that little button and suddenly it pops up and tells you what a two-bedroom house is worth in Katoomba, a three-bedroom and a four-bedroom, things like that. So now, and I can tell you because I, I looked this up just before, the two-bedroom house in Katoomba is 750000 a three-bedroom is 800000 but a four-bedroom is 980000 That means if you're going to say buy a two-bedroom house and let's say we renovate and convert it into a three-bedroom house, you have increased the value potentially by 50000 But if you bought a three-bedder and did it to make it four-bedders, you've increased it by more than three times that amount. So you can see where the real demand is for the type of housing in that location. And you can do that with any suburb. Have a look and see, well, where is the real the money in this? Where am I going to make a lot by doing a renovation from one type of property to another? And it's all free. There's a wealth of information there. It gives you things on what the cash flow potential is, everything, and that's all free. So you come to us, we'll tell you which suburb, and then you can go to realestate.com and you look at the prop track data and you can work out exactly what type of property is going to give you the best result. Well, that's a very powerful tip. Thank you, John. Kathy Medell's asked, and I think you've answered this, I'll just articulate it just in case. Does John still provide suburb reports and state reports? Yes, we do. If you've got a particular suburb in mind and you say, well, I think I'd like to buy a property in Katoomba or you might have one. So any suburb in Australia, we will do just one suburb report that shows you exactly what the short, 
medium and long-term growth potential for that suburb is. So, And they're less than $100, so they're not very expensive, but you can buy those, order them on our website, Lindemann Reports. State reports, we don't actually do state reports. We do one report that covers all the states. So the latest one, I think, is Cheapy Set to Boom. That's, again, it's available on our website, but it covers every state in Australia. So we look at the whole market and so these are the best that are available under $600,000. Excellent. And you're getting lots of kudos in the comments for your generosity. So lastly, before we go, if someone wants to get in touch with you, is it best that they go to your website and just book a chat? Is that what you would like or...? I think if yeah, if they think they need more information about the market or how they can benefit from the property market with a half-hour free chat, that's fine. And they can do that by going to Lindemann Reports and booking a free consultation. So that's probably the, the best way to get in touch with me. And even if you just want to ask a simple question that only lasts a few minutes, that's fine. Um, I'd do it that way. And then, of course, you can take advantage of a full half-hour if you so wish. Well, Thank you very much. That's I've really enjoyed this chat and I'm, yeah, I think that there's a lot of gold in there and grateful for you bringing your decades of experience to our community. So this episode will stay on the site until next week and then it'll be downloaded and edited and go on YouTube and also our podcast. We're currently getting about anything between 1,000 and 2,000 downloads a week. So it's getting lots of airplay. So thank you. Hopefully we'll be giving you back some of the love. Thanks very much, Bernadette. And it's been a pleasure to um, being on, on your podcast. If you want to meet up with a group of savvy renovating, I shouldn't say it's all women because it's not, savvy renovators, I'll say, come over and join She Renovates. It's completely free Facebook group and it is growing at the rate of knots. We hit a 1,000 members just recently and now it seems to have picked up momentum. And so they are all savvy renovating women and men that are working their little hearts out to live a better life through renovating. Join if you're not already a member and then ask, comment and do whatever you would like to do in order to further your renovation journey. And that's it for me today. So I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.